This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Talking about chicken a la king, mango and garbanzo, tabbouleh, Real potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil, zucchini, ziti, granola, fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, where I interview amazing people with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge. I am so excited about today's guest. I don't know where to start. Melissa Clark, I have I have a I have a crush on you, uh food-wise, real-wise. Uh she's written over 40 cookbooks. She is uh a food reporter at the New York Times. I have I'm so fascinated by her and glad that we have her here because we also have our kindred spirits in anchovy diplomacy. Um please welcome Melissa Clark everybody. Well, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to know that you are a fellow anchovy enthusiast. Um can we talk about them? Yes, actually, uh, <laughs> we will talk all about them because I have a lot of strong feelings about them, as do you. Uh, yeah. Before we do, let's get into your fridge. You guys can see Melissa's fridge on my Instagram at StandUpDan. Um, Melissa, your fridge here, I'm going to share the screen. Looking good, yeah. looking neat, looking clean. This, <laughs> this is a very neat and clean. This is kind of exactly how... I would think your fridge looks, although in reality, I would it's probably way more messy. But this looks very well organized, very chic. A lot of bone, a lot of repurp- repurposed bone maman uh, jam jars. Yeah, we are. We are a fan of the cherry jam. We go through loads of it. <laughs> so you were saying right before we started, though, that this is not your fine, that you, you weren't excited about this fridge pick for some reason. Well, okay, this is not a true representation of my everyday fridge. This is the what this is what my fridge looks like when I go away for two weeks. So I have just cleaned out all the leftovers. You see no little containers full of leftovers. You see no errant bags of produce. All of that is gone because I cleaned it out. Um, and then I came home and I had to get you a fridge picture immediately. So I took it in its um This is the most minimalist it will ever be. Usually it's packed. Usually I have layers of containers, layers of leftovers, layers of in the back behind the milk. There's usually like a big thing of salad. There's so it's looking to me, it looks a little um, sparse. I mean, your sparse fridge is like my fridge when I have been at Costco for like (laughs) three hours just stocking up. But let's start. Let's start at the top row. Um. You got you got real milk, which we don't see in a lot of fridges these days. A lot of people, they like the almond. They like the oat. I like that you got the OG milk, actual milk. What we From used to just cows. call milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that thing, that, the that cow thing. juice. Yep. Yeah, the cow juice. Um, 
which is okay. And then you've got a lot of the heavy cream. What are you using the heavy cream for? That's is that four cartons of heavy cream? That is four cartons of heavy cream. Yeah. So I'm working on a recipe that is heavy cream intensive. It's a, a butterscotch pudding recipe that I'm doing. So I laid in the heavy cream so that I could hit the ground running with that butterscotch pudding. What happened to this butterscotch pudding that it got? It became, is it the, was it the butterscotch budino at Moza that made it explode? Was there something that predated that? What made the butterscotch pudding like, I don't know. It seemed like one day I'd never heard of it. And then the next day it was like, how have you not had it? I, you know, it's funny because to me, I always had like, we had mighty fine pudding mixes when I was growing up, which was like a little box of pudding that you would just mix up. It was mostly cornstarch with some, you know, fake vanilla in it, but I loved it. It was butterscotch flavored. And we used to just boil it on the stove with milk and whisk it up. And I used to eat this thing hot out of the pot when I was a kid. So butterscotch pudding is very childhood to me. It's a uh, it's just the early food memory, not my earliest, but an early one. And um, I do think that the mozza budino was what brought it to another level. It was what made it fancy. Also, Claudia Fleming, don't forget, Claudia Fleming at Gramercy Tavern did a butterscotch pudding, like a butterscotch custard or butterscotch pot de creme, I forget. I think she just called mm -hmm. it a butterscotch custard. And she had a coconut whipped cream on top. And that was amazing. So that was another way that you know, this little box of mighty fine pudding just became something um, a lot more refined. I love it. You're like, I was following the band before they got huge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Me and butterscotch pudding. We go way back. We used to party. Um, <laughs> I love it. And then, so what is this, what is this jar over here of, uh, is it like a lemonade situation? It's way. Oh, way. Yeah. yeah. So, it, uh -huh. Let me tell you what I think way is, and then you can tell me how I'm wrong. Because <laughs> okay. I feel like way is like one of those things that I can be told millions of times what it is, and I always forget. Kind of like, you know when you go to like a microbrewery, and they're like, this is where the hops and the barley and the mash come together, like, and then like I never know what they actually mean. Yeah, That's how I, I feel I about still way. don't know. I still really can't picture hops. Like, what are hops? But <laughs> I, <laughs> No one knows. Although they? I did see in a video, you had hop salt, which to me sounds really strange uh hops flavored salt was that in one of your videos it's in one of my videos yeah it's actually really good but i still don't know what hops look like i just know that they are in the salt and they make the salt taste a little a little bit bitter a little funky it's good i like it like in a good way i mean hop i think hops are like an herb or a vine like it's a green that they dry up and then use it as a I, it's used as a, as a it's like a natural preservative in beer which is, is that why, right is that what it does okay yeah because okay. like so I, I mean, just a quick aside, I know IPA is in uh, India Pale Ales. The reason they have that name is because to get the beers from England to India when they colonized it, it would always go bad on the trip. So they added way more hops so that it would survive the trip. Uh, that's why it's so hoppy. Interesting. That's, okay. That's, All right. That's Dan's Good little fun fact. Um, um, okay. So whey is like a, it's like a side product uh, of making uh, milk or something. You're very close. You're in the right ballpark. So it is um, a byproduct of making um, yogurt or cheese. And in this case, it's yogurt. So I make my own yogurt. I do this um, probably about twice a month. I love Humble yogurt. Humble brag. Humble brag. So, yep. No, it's just what I do. It's just part of my. <laughs> and um, so I, then I strain the yogurt. So I make the yogurt, which is, you know, you take your milk, you bring it to a boil, not a boil, under a boil, 190 to 200 degrees. You add a little bit of starter yogurt, which is your last batch. And then you just let it sit for, you know, 10 to 12 hours. After that, you take it and you put it in a, um, a sieve that's lined with a clean dish towel. 
and you drain it. And the dr- stuff you're draining out is that whey. And I, you don't have to drain it. I drain it or strain it because I want to have thick Greek style yogurt or Persian style yogurt. Um, mm-hmm. So I want it thick. And then the whey, instead of throwing it out, I use it for smoothies for my daughter. It's oh, full of protein, full of protein. So you want to save that whey. Interesting. So I am Persian and uh, there is a lot of, they use a lot of the byproducts. Uh, there's something called, um, oh my God, how am I forgetting this name? Is it Sash? No, it's not Sashir. Oh my, it's, it is a way, they call it way, but I think it might be a, a, the wrong translation because it's, it is white. Um, but they put it on top of like, of like soups and stuff. Um, I wonder if it's okay. So some cultures, I don't know if they do this in Persian culture, but I know they do this in Turkish culture is that they take the whey and they dehydrate it and it's a white powder and then you reconstitute it. Oh, interesting. I don't know if that's a Persian thing though, but that's a that's definitely, I've seen that in Turkey, but, um, yeah. So the way, um, so my way is, um, my way, I do it at my, my way, way, my the way, highway. Exactly. my way, the highway, your next cookbook about, uh, about, <laughs> about making way, products. this is definitely going to be a, a bestseller. Um, it's, 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 um, it's full of protein and it's, it's typically, um, I think in most cheese making, it's a problem because there's so much excess whey. like when you're making, um, uh, say press cheeses where you really are getting rid of most of the, the, the whey content. Yes. Um, it could be, a, it can be actually an agricultural problem, but if you would, everybody would just put it in their smoothies or you can make amazing lemonade out of it. It's so good. So I am a big advocate for save your way and, um, you know, drink it, put it in smoothies, make lemonade. I'm a or huge figure out, fan. Dehydrate it and put it on I, your soups. On your soups. I'm, a, I'm an enormous fan of whey puns as well. Like probably more <laughs> so than, than faux, which have, has a lot of fun, a lot of fun puns with faux too. That is true. I have no faux in the fridge right now. So it's like, isn't it like, yeah, faux, 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 I don't know. I mean, it's spelled with an O, but everyone says faux. I don't know what to do. It it, it hurts my brain. I don't know what to do. Um, it, yeah, it's just one of those translation <laughs> things. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so this over here, I'm assuming is a starter for bread. Sourdough starter. That's my husband's. That's his domain. He has two okay. different kinds, two different sourdough <laughs> starters in there. I, Your I don't husband's touch- domain is like a, a half a square foot of the of the fridge. Pretty much, yeah. That's all he gets. That's all he gets. <laughs> He's a bread um, baker. He gets the he gets the little part on the top to put his sourdough starter in. Was he baking bread before COVID or after COVID? No, he was a pre-COVID baker. He's been at it for a while. Wow. We have been blessed with homemade sourdough for a very long time. So. Amazing. So, when, when COVID came and everybody else was baking bread, he was sort of like, he got all annoyed. He's like, <laughs> it's like, like you I'm with the Budina. It's like it's you with the Budina. Totally. I'm like me and Mighty Fine go way back. He's like me and Sourdough. We go way back. Um, do you want to know what's in the bowl on top of the sour, on top of the sourdough? Yes. There's a white bowl on top of the sourdough. What's in there? Cut. Okay. So this is my secret trick for everything. And I think everybody who likes lemon should do this. It is full of lemon um, wedges that have been de-seeded. And this is something that I advocate because I love to just take a lemon wedge and squeeze it on everything. I want it on soups. I want it on my berries. I want it in my seltzer. Um, I want it in my peppermint tea. So if everybody would just keep a bowl of lemon wedges and you seed them ahead, you just do it. I mean, I probably refill that bowl every three days. Salad oh. dressing, salad dressings happen instantaneously. It makes your life so much easier. They keep well. They're at the ready. So I tell all of all of your listeners, 
just get a little bowl and put your seeded lemon wedges in it and you will be happy. Fun hack. I like that. Yeah. Um, uh, so second row here, we have a lot of, con- is, this, is this mostly jellies, jams, condiments? Jellies, jams, condiments. Yep. So on this one, um, it's a little disorganized right now. On the second shelf, usually I try to keep the sweet condiments, chutneys, and jams and things like that. But I see that we have a few rogue things on that shelf that normally would go on the shelf below, but that's, I didn't touch it. I opened the fridge. I took a picture and I sent it. I did not stage this. So I did not. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, oh, I left this out on the top row. I'm assuming this is vermouth. In that the is back? vermouth. That is our red vermouth for our, um, our Negronis, our Negronis, our Manhattans. Yep. You know, everyone always says you're supposed to leave your vermouth in the fridge, and I never do it. Am I completely you should, Okay, up? well, no, I mean, it's fine as long as you go through it. I mean, the thing is, if you leave it like in your liquor cabinet or on your counter and you don't go through it, it's just not going to taste as good. It's not going to taste as fresh. Right. Um, so it's better to leave it in the fridge. Plus, you're mixing it in a drink that you want to drink cold. I assume you want to drink your, <laughs> your Negronis yes. cold, right? So it, it's just going to give you a head start if you keep it in the fridge. And then you have a hel- a jar of Hellman's mayo, which, you know, I am, it's funny, I, I'm a purist on some things, on other things I'm not. And mayo is one of those things where I think, mayo and ketchup, which, oh my God, here, you've got Heinz ketchup, ketchup yeah, too. Yep. Mayo and ketchup, I'm like, I'm like, just, just go with the OG stuff. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. oh, I mean, yeah. especially with ketchup, but, but I would, I would, I would strike you as, as a homemade mayo person. Oh, I love a homemade mayo. It's just not mayo. Homemade mayo is its own delicious thing that is not going to go on my, I don't know, like, like, I don't want it in my tuna salad. Like for my tuna salad, I want regular mayo. Like there's certain things you just like for my, oh, for my um, turkey club, I want the Hellman's. Certain mm. things at Hellman's is just better. However, there are certain times when you want that delicious homemade mayo. Like, have you ever had like, okay, not a deviled egg, but if I, I'll do an olive oil mayo and I'll. I'll just dollop it on top of an egg, like a hard boiled egg. So you're not making deviled eggs, in which case yeah. I use my almonds. You're making like, um, like a French, you know, oufala mayonnaise or something like that. Like you're making this really delicious thing. That's a, uh, that's a close cousin to a deviled egg. And that's where you want your homemade mayo. Um, I personally like a BLT with homemade mm. mayo, although I also like it with almonds, but I like a very savory mayo. What you can't see is behind the milk. I also have Dukes. Dukes mayo. Dukes. Dukes, Dukes mayo. mayo. Yeah. So that's a Southern mayo. And that, so Hellman's is a little bit sweet. Dukes uh-huh. is a little bit savory. It's got more um, acid. It's just tangier. I need oh, them both in my fridge because I like them both. Like they're different. You have different purposes. Um, and on the door of the mayo next to the ketchup is the Cupy mayo. Because that's another kind of mayo that has an umami deliciousness to it. Um, it's yeah. an Asian uh, style mayo. So I need all three mayos in my fridge at all times. Yeah. Kewpie mayo has a, uh, has a dash of MSG in it, which is, ah. <laughs> which will make anything taste better. Uh, yeah. It's funny. I actually, I actually was, I know we can't really talk about this restaurant anymore, but I was this, I was the summer intern at the Spotted Pig for three summers and I was in charge of making those deviled eggs for a long time. So I, I had to make that uh, olive oil mayo. Uh, and ah. it was the most delicious deviled egg that uh, to date. Yeah. It's still yeah. the best deviled egg I've ever had. It's the olive oil mayo on the egg. That combination is just genius. So good. Um, okay. Now this, I've seen this in some of your videos and I'm going to, I'm going to call bullshit, Melissa Clark. I'm going to call bullshit mm-hmm. All on right. your, call bullshit. 
I'm calling bullshit on your, on, I'm assuming that's the jar of egg yolks. Egg whites. Yep. A, egg a whites. Thing of egg whites. Egg, yep. Sorry. You got a thing. You got like a thing of egg whites that you always have in the fridge. I, whenever I'm making something and it's calls for egg yolks, I, I know I feel bad about throwing out the egg whites, but I'll have them in my fridge and then I never do anything with them. Tell me why I am wrong and tell me that you actually use these. Or oh, I totally you, use those. Do you put them I there actually, until until you have to throw them away? No, I use them all the time. So usually what I do is I, um, I, so I'll get a container full. I think that's probably like 12 egg whites in that container. And then I'll put it in the freezer. And that's my angel food cake right there. So then when I want to make an angel's food cake, it is all ready. My, I've got my egg whites at the ready. Um, I also use them um, for, um, God, I mean, angel food cake is the big one, but meringue. I love to make meringue. I love to make, oh, you know what they're great for? Buttercream frosting. I make a buttercream frosting with an Italian meringue base and, mm. um, or actually a Swiss meringue base. So it's, I take my egg whites I whip them over, you know, a pot of steaming water, like a bain-marie with a little bit of sugar until they get fluffy. It's like a seven minute frosting, basically. And then you add butter and then it becomes a buttercream. So those are very important. So I use egg whites a lot. Um, the reason that they are there at the ready is so remember, I talked to you about butterscotch pudding. Yes. So those yolks are it are going to be in the butterscotch pudding. So ah, that is why it. the whites are there. So I just did that. And um, so I, you know, I came home, I started separating, and then I remembered to take the picture. The whites were already ready in the fridge. Um, that whole thing got moved to the freezer, and that's going to be an angel's food cake. I like to think that you actually use these egg yolks, like egg egg whites, like every morning. You have like a, a rocky running scene where you just like chug the <laughs> the, well, the raw actually, egg whites and go out for a run. You know what I actually used to do? I don't do this so much anymore, but for a while I was throwing my egg whites in again with the smooth before I started doing the whey and the smoothies. I always would put an egg white in my smoothies because you want a little bit of protein. But now the whey does that. So I don't need the egg whites mm. to be in my smoothie, but they work really well in a smoothie. They make it mousse like. It's good. Oh, yeah. It's like a pisco sour in a smoothie, kind of. Exactly. Oh, I could make pisco sours with those. Why have I not done that? Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Yes. That's such a good idea. I even have. A bottle of Pisco. This is okay. OMG. What a this collaboration. Is what is, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. Let's talk Harissa because you've got Harissa here, which yep. I've actually reached out to uh, Yellowbird. I don't know if you know Yellowbird. They make, they make it like my new favorite hot sauce. And I was like, I don't understand why Harissa hasn't gone mainstream. Like, why hasn't it gone the way of Sriracha? Why haven't they mass produced Harissa in a squeeze bottle to put on everything? Because in my opinion, it's, it's like, the most delicious hot sauce, and and no one has it. it it's very it's rare. It's really have hard it. to get. It's really hard to find. I know you're so right. I mean, okay, so let's just should we do a comparison, sriracha, uh, harissa, just like a comparison of flavors, right? Sure. So the, the sriracha has the sweetness. There's like a little bit of sweetness there, and it's got a, a heavy garlic flavor with the tomato mm. and the chili. I mean, the chili. Sorry, the harissa has the chili, but it also has a, an earthy bottom note, a like cumin spices flavor as well so yes. they're they're really different but they're totally both necessary to me i have both in the fridge can't see the sriracha it's there it's on the side next to the ketchup next to the you know cupy mayo um yeah. and i it, it's like you use them for different applications you know one of them is when you want a little bit of sweetness one of them is when you want that earthy flavor so they are both necessary and you are right totally. harissa should be everywhere because it absolutely rocks 
I know. I love it. Um, and I agree with you. I feel like sriracha or Mexican hot sauces as well. Like they just have it's they're they're great, but they do have that sweetness. Whereas this is like, I feel like it's feel it smells like my grammar my grandma's cupboard. Like ah, exactly, like, it's like, like all those spices. Sauce. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's so good. Um, well, I'm very impressed with this fridge. This is a great fridge. Uh, and so yeah, Melissa, you've always kind of fascinated me, and it is. For a couple of reasons, I feel like I discovered you on your videos in the New York Times initially, and I was like, "Who is this person? She's got, she's got like a, a cool, she's got a personality that's going to keep me coming back." And <laughs> I, I kept kind of, I kept kind of watching you and and trying to see where you fit. And here's my here's my take, and okay. and and tell me if I'm wrong, okay? Like I feel like you are, you are like Ina Garden 2.0, okay? Huh. Because you look at Ina's, Ina's stuff and, you know, she's in her Hamptons house and she's got her florist friends and Jeffrey's coming <laughs> and, you know, oh, my God, I love Jeffrey so much. He's so great. I'm going to make him roast chicken. And then you are like, you're like sort of like the next generation, like the cooler version. Like you've got your cool brownstone. You know, we see your family here and there, but you're not flaunting them like Ina is in every video. Yeah. <laughs> you know? they, they don't want any part of it, actually. They're like, <laughs> oh, my God, get me out of here. <laughs> And but in terms of the similarities, Ina's recipes, I feel like are very, very accessible, very doable. They always come out good. I feel the same way about your recipes. Um, but I also feel like you hit a different note. My issue with Ina Garden's recipes is that she almost gets a little and recipes in general is like sometimes they get way too detailed where you are taking the person's instincts completely out of the equation. So like she'll she'll like measure out nutmeg in a quarter teaspoon thing instead of just like just put enough nutmeg what you think. But then on yeah. the other extreme is like my buddy Frank Prisanzano, who, he, you know, he does he teaches what he calls methods and they're not recipes. And he's like, just use your instincts. You don't need anything. You don't need you don't need to measure anything. And he's like telling people to make like a Thanksgiving turkey without <laughs> without, using, <laughs> without measuring the salt. He's yeah, like, yeah, 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 just take it out when you know it's ready. And I'm like, how many Thanksgivings have you ruined, Frank? Oh, my God, so, Frank. Exactly. <laughs> so I feel like I feel like you're somewhere in the middle where you're not chopping everyone's instincts out from under them, but you're also giving them very easily accessible uh, recipes to make. True or false? Was that a well, good assessment? Well, first of all, can I just say thank you? Because any comparison to Ina makes me just makes me just giddy because I think she's the bee's knees. So thank you for that. Um, I, I work really hard on that balance of um, uh, letting have, getting people to trust themselves because I do believe that you're never going to be a better cook unless you do follow your instincts. And you also... You as a cook know what you like better than me as a recipe developer. I mean, I know what I like, but I don't know what you like. And so my job is to give you the framework for you to figure out what your ultimate dish is going to be, how and I and how can I help you get there? So I work really hard to balance those two things. I give cues on when people should taste and adjust for salt and acid because I feel like the biggest mistake that people make is um, that they don't taste their food as they're cooking. And then they serve it and they're like, ah, and it's something that could so easily be fixed by a little salt or a little squeeze of lemon, a little bit of vinegar, you know, a, some, a dusting of spices. So I try to get people to season, um, to taste as they go, to season to taste and to trust their instincts. But at the same time, I want them to be successful. So I will tell them, you know, I will absolutely tell you like, okay, this is the temperature it needs to be. This is what it should look like at this stage. Um, and I will give you all of the ingredients, the measures for the ingredients. I won't say like a handful. I will tell you half a cup. So I yeah. try to split the difference. 
Yeah, and also I think the I think the reason people resonate with you so much is that everyone on TV now, every food personality, like they, that was their goal is getting on TV or getting, you know, in front of a camera. And that, I feel like you are an actual cooking nerd. Like you are, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like your video about the black and white cookie is like my favorite because you just take such a deep dive on like a little, like you love going on deep dives Yes, and it's so much fun. And you could, you know, you can tell when someone's genuine about it or not. And I'm like, oh, she's like, she really, she will not rest until she finds the, the perfect recipe for this black and white cookie. And um, I, did you ever plan on being on camera or did you start out just, you know, as a writer and that was what you wanted to do? Okay. Well, first of all, being an on-camera talent is a huge talent. Like that is a talent. The people, all the celebrity chefs on TV have an incredible talent. It's a really hard job. Um, it's a skill. It's something that when I first started out, I didn't have, I wasn't good at it. I sucked at it. So I was always, I mean, I was always a writer, like writing comes first to me and food and writing to me were intertwined ever since I was a kid. I always loved both of them. Um, I always like, whenever I wrote anything, food was my metaphor. It was just the way I see the world. Right. So that was, that was in place. And then, you know, the, the learning how to be comfortable in front of a camera and be yourself in front of a camera is really hard. It was really hard. And I practiced and I practiced and I practiced and I got advice from people. I remember Sarah Moulton, one of the first, you know, um, TV Food Network um, chefs gave me important advice about smiling. I was like, smiling. Oh, oh, right. I should do that. <laughs> it's just like little things, <laughs> right. like feeling comfortable enough to do things, to, to, to be yourself. And that, and feeling comfortable enough to do that and cooking and remembering what you're doing and, you know, like, for, like learning where to put everything so that the camera can see it. These things take practice and skill. And I have developed that over the years. And now I feel I love being in front of the camera. And the reason I love being in front of the camera is because I, I am a nerd and I really like to teach. I really like, I have all this stuff I want to tell everybody. I'm like, look, see here, see this color of the chicken when it's caramelizing. This is what you're looking for. And that gets me excited because I like to share that knowledge. Yes, I love that. And I can see it through your videos. And then I'm going to ask you this question and I don't want you to get offended by it. So promise me you're not going to get offended. I but promise I don't, not to. Thank you. I just, I don't understand how you are not way more of a household name. You should be the most famous person in food is how I feel. About. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, I'm going to bury, I'm going to bury the oh lead. Oh my God, I you, love this. I, thank you. <laughs> I think you're, I think you're so great on camera. Um, I, I, as a, as a, as a host of a show on the Food Network, uh, I watched a lot of the network for research and I, I, I'm always like, Melissa Clark is better than 99% of these people. Why doesn't she have her own show? So I'm assuming that it's because you don't want to do it for some reason. Maybe, uh, I don't know if you get a, you get a share of, of, uh, of New York times, uh, newspaper sales. Or what it is, but uh, why aren't you? Uh, have you chosen not to do TV? Is that a thing? Or oh god, can no! I, I try. Can I, I produce? To, can I produce your next show? Yeah, totally. I tried to be on TV for a while. Actually, before I joined the staff of the New York Times, I was a freelancer at the Times since 1998. The Times and I go way back, but I wasn't on staff till 2012. Mm-hmm. And there was a time in there when my column started. So 2007 to 2012, I actively tried to get a TV show. Um, and nobody wanted me. And I just, I, you know, at first it was, I was sort of offended. I was like, oh, all right. But then I realized that you can't be everything to everybody. You just can't. And I, like, I have, like, I have fans who love what I do and they, 
they get in touch. They tell me that I've changed their lives through cooking. That's the best thing ever. Like, that's what I want. Like, yeah. and if I, if I could be on TV and reach more people, that would be great, but it's okay. Like I, I'm reaching people all the time. And that's like, it's just incredibly satisfying to know that yeah. you're in people's kitchens. So it's not that I didn't, I, I think there's, I don't know, maybe, I don't know what it is about me. I don't know. The, the, yeah, but the here's TV the thing, executives though. did not see it. They didn't, they didn't see what you and I see, Dan. What can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, you probably hadn't put your 10,000 hours in. And I feel like now with these, I, yeah. I've watched, I've, I've watched the evolution and I've seen how, how much more comfortable you've gotten on camera. And like, every, like you seem to, you seem to soak up notes like a sponge and, and every episode gets better and better and better. And, and like, once you hit your stride, I was like. Oh, she's got a great voice. Like, not, you know, your voice voice is great. But I mean, like just your vibe, the vibe is is very honed in. It's like, I don't know. It just seems like like it all clicks. We're going to I'm going to make some phone calls after this interview. All right, you make some phone calls for me and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> Alcohol and eggs. What the fuck? Right. Well, the history goes way back to the Middle Ages. In England, raw eggs were popular additions to beer and wine. Someone who was sick might be prescribed beer mixed with raw egg, honey, and some herbs. Syllabub, a popular dessert drink and hilarious name, was made from whipping raw egg whites and cream and wine, and then letting the mixture curdle overnight. Syllabub, needed to say that again. A common fluorocold medicine was posset a sort of proto-eggnog made by whipping eggs with cream, sugar, spices, and beer, or wine, into a thin custard. In Macbeth, Lady Macbeth famously drugs the unsuspecting guards outside of Duncan's home using poisoned posset. And in The Merry Wives of Windsor, Falstaff drinks posset before a date, believing that it will increase his libido, because nothing gets you horny like raw eggs and beer, am I right? And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Guys, life is stressful. Trust me, I know I do a lot of different things. I got a lot of different deadlines. I got a lot of people yelling at me. But the worst person yelling at me usually is the voice in my head. And sometimes you got to help calm that voice down so that you can get on with your day. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with challenges in your life. A therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals no matter how big or how small. I've definitely had moments in my life when I've dipped in and out of therapy. I, I'm a dipper. I dip in. I dip in, get what I need, and then I'm out. And then I, and I, I get the tools that I need to help me move on and to help me deal with my issues on my own. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient. It's accessible, affordable. It's entirely online how easy is that get a good wi-fi connection and boom you got therapy it's a click away when you want to be a better problem solver therapy can get you there visit betterhelp.com slash green eggs today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p like paul.com slash green eggs remember how fat was bad in the 90s and now it's back just like there are good fats and bad fats, there's good carbs and bad carbs. I 100% believe this because there's been a war on carbs and it's been a war on all carbs and it should be a war on some carbs. Enter Wild Grain, my friends. With their slow fermentation and clean ingredients, bread is back, baby. Get ready to be a carbivore without the guilt. Start loving bread again with the clean ingredients and delicious simplicity 
of wild grain. Wild grain is the first bake from frozen box for artisanal bread. Plus, they have amazing rolls, pastries, croissants, even handmade pastas. Wild grain uses only clean ingredients such as unbleached non-GMO flour and utilizes a slow sourdough fermentation process that's healthier for you and tastes better than anything you can find in a grocery store. Guys, I just got my wild grain and I made the sourdough this week. And it came out better than any fresh bread that I can buy in L.A. Had a super sour sourdoughy flavor, which is like only the best sourdoughs have. I was blown away. I mean, I'm also obsessed with the croissants. They're flaky and buttery and amazing. But man, the sourdough was good. All you have to do is sign up at wildgrain.com slash green eggs and choose which type of box you want to receive and how often. It is very easy to schedule, skip or cancel. Are you hungry already? For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. I'm obsessed with these croissants. When you go to wildgrain.com slash green eggs to start your subscription, that's wildgrain.com slash green eggs, or you can use promo code green eggs at checkout. Okay, so I want to get to the questions that I ask uh, every guest towards the end of the show, starting with what is your earliest food memory? Okay, so jelly donuts. So I grew up in Brooklyn Mm. and jelly donuts were a big part of my childhood. My grandmother um, always brought jelly donuts. She would bring them to the house and they were covered in powdered sugar. And these were incredibly messy to eat. And they had red jam. And I just have this memory of being a little, little kid crawling in her lap. And she was, I just remember like a dark dress and I bit into the jelly donut. And then it was a white dress because it was powdered sugar all over her dress. And I just remember her laughing. And I was like, it was such a warm, wonderful memory. You know, jelly donut, I made a mess and she didn't care. She loved me anyway. That was such a great memory. So jelly donut. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Jelly donuts. Was this just a Hanukkah thing or this was just a... All year round thing. All year round. All year, this little bakery. I know definitely a kosher bakery, you know, in Midwood. Um, I don't know where, if it's still there anymore, probably on Avenue J. And yeah. she just would bring the box of these donuts over. It's funny with jelly donuts. I feel like I do err on the side of the hipster jelly donut rather than the OG ones. I, I like the ones that go with an artisanal jam inside. Them. <laughs> oh, totally. Oh, well, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I even there's something about that, like, you know, red that like neon red jam where you can see it. You know what I mean? Like there's something yeah. like that, like, that's always nostalgic to me. But yes, I would rather eat like a fancy one with like passion fruit curd in the middle. Yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, your death row meal. So you're on death row. Why is Melissa Clark on death row? That's what I uh-huh. wanted to know. I was going to ask you that. So why am I on death? What did I do? Okay. I maybe, maybe here's what happened. Here's what happened. Okay. You left your you left your egg whites in the fridge way too long. <laughs> you cooked a cake that killed everyone who ate it. And <laughs> what now- jury would convict me for that? <laughs> Impossible. I think I got really mad and just like throttled somebody. Right? You can see yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I could totally see that. Um, um, okay, so you're on death row and uh, it's your final meal. What are you what are you going for? Bagels and locks and caviar and potato chips. Ah, interesting. Um, Bagels and locks, any specific bagel or locks? Um, I really like black seed bagels. Um, But also there's there's um, a a bagel hole in Brooklyn has these really good bagels are really hot when they're hot, they're crunchy. So just a really crunchy bagel, not a big puffy one. It's got to be a crunchy, like crunchy on the outside, soft in the inside, not too big. Cream cheese, plain cream cheese, really good cream cheese. 
you know, locks from Rust and Daughters, thinly sliced onion. Sometimes when I'm feeling crazy, Dan, I put the white fish salad on the same bagel as the lox. Whoa. It's a, I, and if it's going to be my last meal, I'm going to do it. So just just to show them. Just to show the marine world who's boss. Exactly. I'm like, you know what? I need this white fish salad next to my lot. I just need to do this. And then um, you got your, your you know, um, pepper and your uh, lemon juice from the little wedges that you keep in your fridge at the ready just to put on your bagels and locks right there. And that is my delicious I love that even, sandwich. I love that even in prison, you have your little fridge with your lemon wedges. <laughs> They're like, Melissa, we made an exception for you. Uh, we gave you a little fridge. You got your lemon wedges. No. <laughs> exactly. Stop writing, stop writing letters into the warden. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> they just needed to shut me up. Plus, right. you know, all the guards, <laughs> they, the guards wanted to squeeze a lemon in their tea. So I, I was ready for them. Um, and then the That's... caviar and the potato chips. So those are the same flavors as bagels and locks. It's the salt. Yeah. And the the crunch and the the sort of carbohydrate fishy thing, right? Mm. Except that, so my childhood version of that is bagels and lox. I mean, my all time version, but you know, that's the the that's like the that's the OG, the bagels and lox. Yeah. Then me as a grown up, I love caviar sour cream. I didn't put yeah, so it has to have you have to have sour cream or creme fraiche, caviar, sour cream or creme fraiche potato chips, and you just swipe them all together. Mm. And that's what I'm love eating. It. Yeah. You know, it's funny when it comes to caviar, I, I mean, this is going to be such an unpopular opinion, but like if, it, if I had to choose between salmon caviar, salmon eggs, or like the, you know, the beluga, like crazy expensive stuff, I'm choosing the salmon eggs. Like I like that big explosion in my mouth. I don't, I don't need the subtlety. Like just give yeah. it to me. Okay. How do you feel about trout roe? Have you ever had trout roe? Yes. Love. Love to me, that's perfect because it's in between. They're not too big, they're not too small. They get the you get the crunchy oh, trout. Yeah, and they're super fishy. Favorite. Yep, yeah. love it. Okay, best high end meal that you've ever had. I actually went to El Bouli. So <gasps> whoa, I know. I went. Okay, so can I just tell you how many millions of years this was? So I went to El Bouli at the height right before Ferran Adria hit, like right before when it was just a three star Michelin restaurant and. Yeah. My parents were obsessed with going to three-star Michelin restaurants. So we went, my parents took me, um, my dad faxed them for a reservation, sent a oh fax. My God. Yes, this is how long it was. He faxed them for a reservation. They faxed him back a confirmation and we all went to uh, Spain. <laughs> we had, wow. Yes, and it was it really was amazing. I mean, there's a reason that he's a legend and he started an entire food movement. It's because his food was fantastic um wow. yeah so it was really there's was another just, by the way you're in you're in rare rare air you and uh, ruth reichel that was her uh that was hers that too was her, ah, yeah that was hers right, too yeah love that um love yeah so for those of you who are like what the hell are they talking about uh el Bui was is a was a restaurant that was what on the northern coast of spain um yep. that was like in a seaside village that for yep. adria this like chef kind of started the molecular gastronomy movement yep. He and then he just started. like quit out of nowhere. He just like closed up. He was like Seinfeld. Like he just left on top. He left it to be totally. And he was the reason like there would be no Noma if there wasn't him. Like he started that whole movement. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what is the best low end restaurant you've ever been to? OK, Defar's Pizza in Brooklyn. Oh, Defar's. Yeah. Oh, my God. Have you been? Have you ever been to Defar's and had the artichoke pie? I have not. It's amazing. I have not. It's amazing. So, and it still holds up. Yeah. I mean, that place has been there forever. And that, now there's like all these new, 
you know, hipster pizza joints opening up and that's still like number one on everyone's list. Ah, uh, cause it's amazing. It's really, yeah. it's special. It's special. He did mm. everything by hand, you know, like you would wait for hours for your pizza, but wow. it's worth, you know, he'd sit there, he'd tear the little basil leaves, each one just right. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Um, okay, what is, I don't even know what your relationship is with the sauce. Does Melissa Clark get, like, does she, I guess you booze, you've got Pisco Sour uh, ingredients at the ready. <laughs> there have been moments where I've overindulged, what can I yeah. say? <laughs> so what is your favorite, what is your favorite drunk food? Um, Cheetos, a bag of Cheetos, like if I'm near a bodega when I'm drunk. <laughs> oh my God, you disgust Crunch, extra me. Crunchy. Extra I crunchy. I hate, I don't know why I can't get down with, with Cheetos. I can't get down with Cheetos, Doritos, like the, uh. The kind of cheesy, um, I don't know, what, cat, what would you call that category? That fake, cheesy, orange, powdery, like grossness. I love it. Yes, I understand. <laughs> I understand that you, but I, I just saw a thing about eating Cheetos out of the bag with chopsticks so you don't get the orange powder on your fingers. That Whoa. blew me away. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to carry <laughs> chopsticks around. And if I get drunk, I'll have the chopsticks and then I can buy the Cheetos and I'm going to be so happy. Oh my God, I cannot wait to see that video of you on TMZ drunk <laughs> eating a, a bag of Cheetos, bag of Cheetos with, chopsticks. with chopsticks out of a bodega by yourself. Like, <laughs> Melissa Clark, is, has, she's, she's gone this insane. It's a low moment for Melissa <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, so now it's the next day. You are, um, you're a little banged up. You're a little hungover. What is your hangover cure? Okay, so remember how we were talking about anchovies? Yes. Here we go with my hangover. Okay, this is like comfort food for me. So to me, a hangover food is comfort food, but it needs mm -hmm. to be salty. Like I, it needs to, because you need to replenish. You're probably dehydrated if yes. you're hungover. So you need something salty. So I love, like my favorite thing is, is anchovy butter toast. So you toast your bread, then mm -hmm. you butter needs to be soft. You have to keep your butter out of the fridge. So you have to know that you're going to get drunk if you hungover. I mean, we keep our butter out of the fridge anyway, because we like softened butter. Um, oh, all the time? It's never the in the time, fridge? Yeah. Is that okay? No. Is that kosher? Are we all going to die? No, it's fine because, I mean, you don't put out that much. You put out enough for a few days and then you use it up and then you're, and it's fine. I mean, butter is very, very stable. Um, the only thing is if it gets too hot in your house, it will melt and then you'll have a pool of melted butter, which is less appealing. But uh, if By you the way, can- this is the, this is the new reason that you're going to death row is that a bunch of my listeners are now going to die because of their, their, <laughs> their butter that they left out. Butter. <laughs> Uh, so many ways to kill people. It's amazing. So many. <laughs> um, okay, so keep going. So I've got, you've got your toast, you've got your, you know, softened butter, like a lot of it. And then you just lay down really good anchovies on top. And if you have, if you can possibly thinly slice an onion, if you have the energy to thinly slice an onion <laughs> and put it on top, that is your, that's just like the perfect hangover food because it's salty, savory, comforting. The butter and the um, anchovies together, I think, are just a great mix. I mean, I think most people think of anchovies going with olive oil, like in a pasta, like a midnight pasta, which is also great. But for comfort food, I want the butter. I want that soft, buttery bed. You know, uh, that's actually one of my favorite videos of yours is your the anchovy toast video. It's an, it's an oldie bit of goodie, and it's just so simple. But I think I saw it for the first time during the pandemic when I was holed up with my parents in, in Long Island. And uh, my mom and I were having it almost every, we would have happy hour at like five o'clock. And we would <laughs> almost every day we were making your, your anchovy toast. It was getting us through the pandemic. So oh my God, I love that. that. Did you go yeah. clamming? Did you get clams? 
when no, you're... my parents were so kosher. I'm like in the closet about my uh, okay, <laughs> my shellfish it. stuff. Got it, got it, got but, it. Okay. Um, but uh, oh my god, it was so good. Uh, all right. So who is? Wait, actually, let's take let's put a pin in that. Let's go down the anchovy anchovy road for a little bit. Um, I am obsessed with anchovies, as are you, and it is kind of crazy to me that more people aren't. But I do believe in anchovy diplomacy, which is that uh, people who when you don't knock them over the head with the anchovy, when you just melt it in a sauce and they don't know what's coming, and then they're like, what is that? You tell them it's anchovies. I think you see them transform. You see them change. You see exactly. their, their I, I don't know if it was like, I think it was like the Garfield cartoons that did anchovy pizza that were gross or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There was something when we were growing up that made fun of anchovy pizzas, and I just think that it like got ingrained in people's heads. But you are a, you are a, you are the people's champion for the anchovy. I am an anchovy evangelist, hundred percent. I will I will preach the the anchovy gospel, um, which is as much as as far as I can go as a Jewish girl. I, I can't, and that's as that's as far as my my metaphors go for that. But um, yeah, so <laughs> I love anchovies. Um, Your family think, crest is like anchovies in like a bunch of egg whites, just like swimming in them. Um, no, like the little bagel anchovies swimming through a little bagel. <laughs> right. Okay, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think the thing with anchovies is that people at some point in their lives, they probably did have a really shitty pie. They had a bad pizza, with bad anchovies, and it was bad and they were grossed mm-hmm. out. And I mean, I don't, I mean, have bad anchovy pizza is horrible. So I don't blame yeah. people who've experienced that to feel like they, they've been burned and they never want to go back. Um, there's a big difference between good anchovies and bad anchovies, like the kind that you get in a jar for a dollar that are in soybean oil, you know, those are bad. And if you don't like them, you're right. They're bad. Mm. But if mm. you can just spend $4 and get a better jar of anchovies that are in olive oil, they taste delicious. And it really is quality is so important here. Um, look for anchovies in olive oil and buy them in a jar where you can, see, unless you know the brand, but if you're not sure, buy them in a jar where you can see them. They should look pinkish, not just brown. They should be plump looking. And then your your beginner step one is melt them into a sauce with garlic and mm-hmm. like my favorite thing is the the midnight pasta like i love so you take your anchovies and you chop them up you don't even need to chop them they just melt in the olive oil you put them in your olive oil you break them up with a spoon you add your sliced garlic and your capers and you let that simmer and your red pepper flakes toss mm. your pasta in there a little squeeze of your lemon that you have right there just for this and <laughs> some parsley and it's so good it's such a good dinner we make that that's our we make it on repeat i mean my daughter loves it my daughter thinks she hates anchovies and it's not like she doesn't know they're in there i make it in front of her all the time in fact i often tell her i'm like you know there are anchovies in that and she goes like this sticks her fingers in her ears says she hates anchovies and loves this pasta knowing full well that they're in there people are fascinating in the way that they can just hold their (laughs) their, you know contrasting ideas i love it um yeah you can walk and chew gum at the same time I, exactly I, I mean it's it, that's her trying to be rebellious that's how you that's how you're rebellious against uh, melissa clark being your mom it's like i hate anchovies mom <laughs> you're no daughter of mine <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you know it's funny though with the i feel like and I, I i need your help on this the white anchovies uh which i guess are pickled anchovies mm-hmm. they don't whole do it thing. for me is whole it whole other it, thing it's a whole it, other thing Okay. Okay. Which we're going to get to because I have a pet peeve that we're going to talk about. That has oh, to okay. We'll get anchovy. to that. Yeah. Um, 
It's funny though. I went fishing with a buddy a couple weeks ago, and we went out on his boat to get calico bass, which is like a local bass out here in in LA. And uh, first, you went to the bait barge, which is a barge that's like out in the middle of the ocean. And he paid like five bucks to get a bucket full of live anchovies. And I was Why like, "Why did you just stop there?" Literally, I was like, "Dude, we're done. Let's go second. fry these babies." <laughs> I was like, you, it's so hard to find whole anchovies in America, let alone live ones. Oh my God. That's amazing. Those are, yeah. Also called white bait is another, and then you just like, you just take them, you know, you just gut them and then you fry them. Amazing. Amazing. Do you put, do you, would you put like some sort of rice flour situation or just fry them on? Well, how would you do it? I probably toss them with something, some kind of flour thing. Rice flour would be good. Cornmeal, regular flour. Oh my God. I couldn't believe it. I was like. This I like I'm going to like anchovies more than any fish we're going to catch. Let's just go. Let's go home. <laughs> let's just go home and make these. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. Oh, OK, so this is going to be an interesting question for you because you are uh, one of my favorite celebrity food personalities. So who oh. is who is your favorite celebrity food personality? Well, you mentioned her before and we'll mention her again. I, I love Ina. I think her yeah. food is she's just, you know, like. She's just like, you just want to go to her house and hang out. Like, it's so beautiful there. It's so yeah. calm. The food is so good. All the flowers. I just, I love it. Um, I, I mean, Odalengi, Yotemo Odalengi. I love him. I want to hang out with him all the time and eat his food because it's delicious. And yes. I love those flavors. And he really has changed the way I cook. Like, Oh, interesting. Such a, an important way. Um, I mean, Danielle Ballou is always, you know, is he a celebrity chef? He is. A, he doesn't have a show. Yeah. Super fancy high-end chef that everybody knows. Um, I love I love his food. Um, I mean, there's so many, you know, there are so many people, but those are the three that when I, you know, like those are the first three that come to mind. And they're all different. Yeah. And they all have different styles and they've all influenced me in an important way. Um, I it's funny, I have this funny relationship with Odalengi where his cookbooks are probably my favorite to leaf through, but my least favorite to cook from. Because it takes like to make a salad, you need like 85 ingredients. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, that's uh, what. OK, a big thing that I do with Od- and how Odlengi has really influenced me is that I will take one element of his like he'll have a salad and there'll be six different components. And you know that if you make that salad, it's going to be fantastic. But yeah. you could just take one of those little components and it's like that could be the basis for your whole dinner. And it's so good. And so like thinking out of the box in a way that you never would have put those things together. And it's incredible. So. I like I cherry pick. I'm like, I want to make that. And yeah. it's great. No, he's, his recipes are, are awesome. Um, what is your desert island food? Okay, so you're trapped on a desert island. Uh, you have to eat one food for the rest of your life. You're never going to get tired of it. Uh, also, you don't have to take this question literally. A lot of guests are like, I would, it would be coconut water for electrolytes. And uh, then I can burn the coconuts to make a smoke signal. I'm like, no, no, no. Just what is a food that <laughs> you never get tired of eating? I mean, I think it would have to be so, okay, I did think about that. I'm like, I'm on a desert island so I could fish because there's going to be fish. So I can mm-hmm. get anchovies and I can get anchovies, right? So then I need the carbohydrate to put the yeah. anchovies with. So I was like, well, is it bread? Is it butter? I'm like, no, it's bagels and cream cheese because if that's like by bagels and locks, you know, but it'll be bagels, cream cheese and, and, and whatever fish I can, and I'll make a sandwich and that I can just eat that forever. And because it's Interesting. like, yeah, so that's my, that's my strategy. That's my I think, wait, that's funny because your desert island food and your death row meal have a lot in common. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'm very consistent. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 
Um, this I'm excited about because I, I don't think you've hinted to this in any of your videos, but what is, is there a food that you can't stand eating? Oh God. Yeah. Um, you know, when the waiter comes over to your table and is like, okay, does anyone have any allergies or foods they don't eat? I'm like, sunchokes, Jerusalem artichokes, get them away from me. Don't come on. Cannot do it. Really? They make me so sick. Ah, so sick. Oh I mean, that's God. why they're called fartichokes. They're just, they're not good. People should not eat them. Oh my God. I'm so, uh, I feel yeah. like, I feel like we were having such a will they, won't they this whole time. And now it's just a won't they, won't they. I've lost, I'm done with you, Melissa Clark. I know. What can I tell you? But it's the truth. It's just, really? I keep them away from me. Yep. Hold on. I once went so to a dinner roasted party. Roasted or like, Ro okay, what roasted anyway. you ate them? What about thin sliced and crispy? Like, have you ever had the, have you had the steak tartare at Estella? Yes, without the sunchokes. I tell them to leave it off. <laughs> leave oh it God. off. <laughs> Ignacio, do not bring me my sunchokes. <laughs> Sorry, Ignacio, you might be one of the best chefs in the world, but you have no idea what you're doing when it comes to steak My tartare. guts, the happiness of my guts is just more important. No, I can't, I just can't eat them. They make me sick. Um, it is the but thing is it I the call flavor. Do you mind the flavor or you just don't well, like it? You know, when something makes you sick and you start hating the flavor, like I used to like, well, the first time I ever had sunchokes, I was in Paris. I remember it distinctly. It was a long time ago. I'd never had, um, a, a sunchoke before. I, I remember I had to translate the word. I think it's like topinambour or something. It was like a French topin, topinambour. Is huh. something or something very close to that in a better okay. accent. It's how you say sunchoke in French. And I remember there was a soup of it at a restaurant and I ordered it and I ate it and I was like, oh, this is really good. I loved it. And then I went to the hotel room and didn't come out for 12 hours. So oh my God. And I had to look and then I looked it up. I was like, what was that horrible thing that made me so sick? And I looked it up and I and it turns out that in um, sunchokes, there is a chemical called inulin, which some people have a reaction to. And I am one of those people. So and then after that, I couldn't stand the flavor of it because it had made me so sick. So but my wow. first the first time I had it, I did like it. Wow. OK. Yep. Fascinating. Fascinating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Otherwise, I, I love everything I, else. I love everything. I mean, there is I love everything else. By the way, again, that that lines up with your food nerdiness where you were like, I must figure out what the chemical is inside this that is disgusting me. Yep. <laughs> Inulin. Yep. Yep. Um, well, okay. But what's really interesting is every once in a while, I'll eat a packaged food thing, like a type of chip or like a, you know, like, like fried chicken or something that, you know, some packaged food and you look it, and it'll make me sick and I'll look in the mm. ingredients and it'll, they'll have inulin because they'll, they take out wow. the, um, and they'll use it. It, it is um, a preservative that's used as well. So. Wow. Interesting. Mm -hmm. What an, what a nerdy food allergy to have in your life. I know it's good, isn't it? Oh, but can I tell you my other one? You want to get yeah. even more nerdy? Raw porcini well, mushrooms. Huh. I love the way they taste. And I can eat them cooked, but raw porcini mushrooms also give me a bad tummy. So. Wow. Oh, mm -hmm. I mean, that's interesting. Okay. I wonder if there's a, is it, is it an inulin thing or that's a nope. different thing? Nope. It's a different thing. It's Mushrooms are fascinating. Mushrooms have, they are just full weird. of. Yeah, they're, they're weird. They're like from space, right? Aren't they from space? Yeah. Is that the thing? So yeah, they like glow in the dark. They're creepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, now my favorite question uh, of the whole list is uh, number ten. What is your restaurant pet peeve? White anchovies in a Caesar salad. Bocaronis <gasps> in a Caesar salad. Don't do it, people. Do not do it. It is bad. I mean. You want your regular old salt cured brown anchovies in your Caesar salad. That is what it was made for. 
The white ones do not taste good in there. Leave them out. Boy, do I hate that. I can't stand it. It is a pet peeve. Oh, my God. Uh, You guys can't see this, but Melissa is flipping her table right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow, that's interesting. So what is it that you like Bocaronis on? I like them on just on, you know what they're really good on? Okay, so you're in Spain. Just imagine you're in Barcelona, you're in a cafe and Mm -hmm. it's like that golden hour at the cafe in Barcelona. You've got your pan con tomate, you know, your tomato toast with the, they rub the guts of a really ripe tomato all over your toast with garlic and olive oil. And you have your bocarones right next to you. And you are eating those delicious bocarones by themselves with your pan con tomate. And that is heaven. That is totally delicious. Just don't put them in my Caesar salad. Oh, my God. Um, I love it. Shots fired, Boca Rennes Caesar salad. Uh, Melissa, this was so delightful. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. I am at NYT Cooking. You can find me there with all of my recipes. I have a new book out as well called Dinner in One, which um, is one pot, one pan, one skillet meals, more flavor, less, you know, work. So all of those things you can find me um, I have a lot of other books too, but too long, too too much to go into right now. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at Clark Bar. I couldn't recommend Melissa's content enough. Just type her name into YouTube and you're going to go down a wormhole. Uh, <laughs> it's so much fun. Thank you again, Melissa. You're the best. Oh, thanks for having me. This was so fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.